and welcome to episode 182 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Championship Sunday is done. The Super Bowl is set. It was a weekend of comebacks. It was the Bengals' comeback. It was the Rams' comeback. It was Brady's brief comeback from retirement. Comebacks everywhere. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. This could be a disaster of a podcast. However, it might turn out to be one of the best podcasts we've ever done. We'll just have to wait and see. Sometimes that's just how life goes. I'd like to welcome to the NFL Scotland podcast, Charles Patterson, our resident Green Bay fan who's got over the distraughtness that he suffered with the exit at the hands of those humble San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Charles joins Cameron and I to talk all things NFL. How are you, Charles? I'm great. It's good um, to have Cameron joining us in the off-season purgatory now. He's in, he's in far chirpier shape than he was on Sunday evening, which is nice to see. I was in fine shape all the way through. It's just not a fun thing to watch at three o'clock in the morning. Good grief. We'll get to that. We will get to that. And as Paul alluded to at the top there... Um, this could be the worst podcast. It could be the best podcast we've ever done. That is the beauty of football. And we need to start off by getting this conversation out of the way because we know it's going to come round. Because as we went into Championship Sunday, you know, we've been blessed so far with what has been, you know, the, the divisional round was an absolute cracker. We covered that. Championship Sunday ended up being a cracker. But, Paul, you and I were a little bit concerned that both of these games could have quite easily been blowouts. And we were slaughtered for sharing this view amongst our uh, NFL podcast teammates. Um, but Paul, we agree with, we still stand by this, right? These games could have been stinkers, you know, the, especially at halftime of that first one, because the Chiefs were rampant, absolutely rampant. It didn't even look like they were out of first gear in that game. Uh, and going into that, you know, you're thinking, where are the Bengals going to come back from this? Um, that's the great thing about American football. It's because it can come down to the absolute last minute as it did. It can go to overtime and it's a thriller. And what a brilliant first game we got. Well, I thought Blaine Gabbert had come out in the second half dressed as Patrick Mahomes because that was just unbelievable stuff. I mean, I'm going to kick the Chiefs for not taking the field goal. I know Gordon McGuinness, one of our podcast members, thinks you know they should have actually just got the seven points and the play calling was wrong. But take the field goal, take the points, get yourself up by two touchdowns. If it's a regular season game, I might have defended that call, but it's not. You're playing in a championship game. You take every point that's on the board. You know, the Bengals have come back to 21-10. You kick them again because you've driven down the field and taken points. Uh, I think that gave the Bengals a little swing in their step, going into locker room that they didn't deserve. And boy, what a second half they produced. Now, they talk about adjustments. You know, they obviously adjusted their game plan to what Mahomes was doing. Where was the counter-adjustment from Andy Reid and the Chiefs? There was absolutely nothing. And I mean, Patrick Mahomes, five or six drives, you know, what, three points? It's just unbelievable that they went from sort of saints to sinners so quickly in one half of football. What I would say with regards to the way Mahomes played in the second half was he played like that at the start of the season. So it's not that long since we've seen a Patrick Mahomes who's been confused, discombobulated, and generally out of sorts from the Mahomes that we've seen over the last three or four years. You've got to remember that Patrick Mahomes, we've talked about him potentially being the the next god incarnate of football, the heir to Brady, that possibly the greatest player of all time, maybe in 15 years' time. He's human. He makes mistakes. And he has shown a tendency this season to when he's been given too much time in the pocket to think or 
his first or second read's not there. He he does make mistakes, and ultimately, it's I, we've used I've used it in two three consecutive weeks. That was a choke by the Chiefs because they have been in that position before. Four years in a row, they've hosted the championship game at Arrowhead, and out of those four championship games, they're going to come away with one Super Bowl. That is not a great strike rate for a team with that amount of talent. And Mahomes is going to sit on that and he's going to stew on it all off-season. Does it mean that he's not a great quarterback? No, it doesn't. He's still one of the top three or four quarterbacks in the league. Is he some kind of superhuman who can do no wrong? He's absolutely not, and that was proved. And I think we now know how teams are going to attack Kansas City going forward. And we saw the Chiefs adapt to this kind of too high safety um, stuff that, that a lot of teams have produced throughout the season. Well, if you're putting eight in the, eight in, the uh, in the backfield now, that's another thing for him to think about. And ultimately, if you've got a good enough pass rush, you can get to him and you can cause him problems. And he wasn't able to cope with the pressure. A couple of quick corrections that I need to just tidy up from that. One, I did a bad mm. one. I said it was 21-3 at halftime. Of course it was. 21-10. 21-10. It was 21-3 mm. at one point, potentially going into the half. Um, however, you know, that second half was a complete collapse. The other one that I can literally hear people listening to this podcast shouting is um, you would expect to see Chad Henney, not Blaine Gabbert, mm. Paul, because Blaine no, no, Gabbert, I, I, of course, I, is the Tampa Bay no. Buccaneers, which would have been an amazing I, I, twist. No. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Chad... Chad Henney's too good. I was I was being facetious. <laughs> I, I need Chad to. Henney's, Chad need... Henney's too good for that. I was trying to pick a quarterback that you just simply wouldn't trust. And Blake Gabbert was the best one that came into my mind there. Uh, I was going to go with Mark Sanchez, but I was trying to come more up to date. So no, it was very deliberate, Cameron. It just turned into a different quarterback. The uh, I need to. Uh, you mentioned Chad Henney. I've circled a little message that you sent to us. Um, Third or fourth quarter when we see Chad Henney, said Cameron. Yep. Well, an early bedtime ahead, said Paul. Honest to goodness, stop predicting things in the championship weekend. <laughs> it doesn't work, boys. It does not work. And to be fair, um, look, I think we, we looked, we went into those uh, two games with the four teams and the Chiefs were our heavy favourites. There was no doubt about it. I, in hindsight, you have to ask why they were heavy favourites. Well, because of their previous record. There was nothing during the course of the season to suggest that they had a balanced enough team that they were going to blow away the Bengals and had done the hard work. They had done the hard work of getting over the hump, getting into the playoffs, getting that first playoff win in 30 years. And they were totally loose, Cincinnati. They were totally free and loose. And in Joe Burrow, they have got a guy who does not care what people think about him or his teammates. And they've got potentially the most potent wide receiving trio in football. So there was never any suggestion in my mind that it was going to be anything other than a close game. I thought the Chiefs would win, but there was never a suggestion that the Bengals couldn't push them all the way, having beaten them four weeks before, and so it proved. But at 21-3, it didn't feel like there was any chance of it being a close game. Mm, I don't so, know. I think you, so, see, you, see, you see in championship... I mean, look at the, the Texans possible, were 24-0 up on the Chiefs two years ago. On, look what happened. It's possible, but... This is playoff football, the highest level. Okay. Players crack. Doesn't matter how good they are. It's true, but we we put this out on Twitter. So we put out a little vote to say to people at 21-3, did you think it was game over or the Bengals had a chance? Right? 74% of the people that voted said they thought it was game over. So I get there's some people that know that it's American football and that's why we love it. It's always possible. But there was very little signs of life there. Very little signs of life. It really was a struggle. 
you know, people that were applying underneath that, you know, a few people saying, like, think the Chiefs got cocky and not taking the field goal before the half was ridiculous. Uh, whereas opposite, I had faith. I knew that Mahomes wouldn't be able to help himself and end up being a wide old as per, trying too many tricks, holding on to the ball and eventually allowing Kevin McAllister to take advantage and rise to the top. The Kevin McAllister, of course, a reference to the fact that Joe Burrow looks like Kevin McAllister. Um <laughs> <laughs> There's also That's one a... as well where uh, Matt Stafford I'm thinking of Macaulay like... Culkin smoking a cigar now. Yeah, and it's, um, <laughs> it's uh, Matt Stafford looks like Elon Musk, and there's these photos doing the rights. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. It was a great game, and do you know what? The Bengals were clinical. They were free. I think on defense as well, they played a really clever game. And to your point, Paul, Andy Reid didn't change it up. They struggled all the way through that second half. Nothing in the third quarter. Three points in the fourth. And then they blew it right at the start of overtime. They talked about it took a 13-second drive at the end of the game to beat um, the Bills. And it took them 13 seconds in overtime to lose to turn the ball over to the Bengals that ultimately would see them lose the game. So, you know, it's, it's just... It was a collapse. It shows a vulnerability to the Chiefs that I think we all want to see, unless you're a Chiefs fan, because it means that it's fair game. They are beatable. Uh, now, we saw them lose, obviously, in the Super Bowl last year, but there were so many problems on that offensive line, them losing pieces, that you could kind of go, well, look, you know, that was the that was the Bucks in prime. You know, they were super fit. They had very little in the way of injury. They had Tom Brady, who knew exactly what he was doing in this situation. They had one hell of a defense, and the Chiefs were not 100%. Well, this was a Chiefs that near 100%, and... They couldn't get it done. So absolutely brilliant for the game. A brilliant game to watch. Uh, and yeah, uh, Evan McPherson comes out. McPherson. Uh, McPherson comes out uh, and has uh, uh, continues his amazing rookie season uh, and, and wins the game for Cincinnati. And it's brilliant. Watch. It's great. Best kicker in the AFC North. Don't care what Gordon <laughs> says. And he's not here, so he can't defend it. Absolutely ice cool. Uh, we can hear. We know we will listen back to this. And we can hear him shaking. He's his screaming head. at his uh, <laughs> at his at his audio at the moment. You Justin Tucker. You all uh, right? Okay. Um. Uh, anything else? We move want? on to the second game because the second game was also predicted by you two doommongers as being a complete whitewash before it even started as well. And that was always going to be a close game. And actually, I don't think it was a choke by San Francisco. But I think you will look back on that. It wasn't. I don't think it was because I think ultimately San Francisco in the first half played the game the way that they wanted to play the game. They controlled the game. They have the number on the Rams, and the Rams are in the Super Bowl because they've got more talent. Fact. Mm -hmm. That's the way. That's the reason why San Francisco have got to the championship game with Jeremy Garoppolo quarterback and that um, sort of smoke and mirrors offense with Debo Samuel. And the, the, a great defensive line. But ultimately, when you've got more talent, more players, quite often the blue chip players just step up and make the play. And look at what Cooper Cup did. And staff, look at what Matthew Stafford did. I was very critical of Matthew Stafford before the playoffs. I said it was a challenge for him to go out and win a game that mattered in the playoffs. And he's done it three times in a row. And hats off to him. Hats off to him. Um, I, I, you, yeah, go, Paul. I, th I think San Francisco blew it. I genuinely do. I mean, okay, they beat them six times previously and, you know, the seventh's the charm for LA. I think they were there for the taking. They looked nervous. They looked out of sorts. I, and I'm amazed. I thought San Francisco in the, the final quarter underused their two best players in, in Samuel and Kittle, which 
I still can't quite get my head around Debo Samuel in particular. Um, and I and I think if it, if you're going to ch- accuse anybody of choking, I, th- I mean, I think the Chiefs blew their game. I still think San Francisco choked their one away. I think they had a tremendous opportunity to see that game through and failed to do so. Yes, Cooper Cup, you know, rose to the top and Stafford did his job. But I mean, if they catch the easiest interception mm. in the history of the NFL... Dear me. The game's the games now people say, well, it might not have been done, there was still a lot of time, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I get that. But then the clock is on San Francisco's side. You can try and just grind the yards out, take the time off the clock, kick a field goal, whatever. But if you wanted a play that changed the game, that was it. You cannot drop that. Any of us would have caught that, hmm. hopefully. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would have, I have confidence I would have caught that ball. Um, the, you, you mentioned the, the fact that San Francisco would have controlled the clock. San Francisco had the chance to control the clock at 17 all, And then they get the ball and they produce the three worst plays combined I have seen in eons, yeah. absolute eons. And the, the third play of that drive, and then they ended up punting it away. Half the team weren't even on the same page. They didn't even know that there was a play being called. And that, that and, and that it was live. And that is on the coach. And Kyle Shanahan... Is that on the coach? I, I have, wait, that on the like, coach? It's, on the, it's on the coach because he calls the plays. Yeah, and I don't the believe... The players not know third, what the call was played isn't well, on the coach. Well, it's on the well, we've seen many, it. Well, well, I think it's on the coach. I, don't get me started on Sean McVay's play calling and his, his ability to burn timeouts, by the way. That's the other oh. thing. They, they got away with one of the Rams yeah. because he burns timeouts like confetti. Kyle Shanahan, as a coach, has got clearly some absolutely extracurricular skills that are way beyond many, many others. But I think in a crucial crux moment, he has been found wanting, not once, not twice, multiple times you go back to the atlanta super bowl you go back to the super bowl two years ago the play calling at 17 all was dire absolutely yeah. dire and then they give the ball back to the rams the rams kick a field goal and then what happens aaron Donald appears nothing it, you can do about that yes it was panicky and cautious and those two things do not go hand in hand the reason that it transpired the way that it transpired for me was that the rams played a very good game against us and stopped the run Right from the start, they stopped the run. Now, our run game, and one of the issues that we've had this year is definitely the lack of depth in that running back room. You know, there's basically Mitchell and nothing else. You know, that's why we're having to lean on Debo Samuel in that spot. And that was shown up because we couldn't get anything going. Where we've been able to utilize the style that Shanahan plays and where Jimmy G can thrive is when we've got a run game, it takes the pressure off Jimmy so he's able to make some more throws over the top and there's options to move down the field. Eliminate the ability to run the ball, meaning that actually the Rams can then focus on the wide receivers much more at the end of the game when it matters when Jimmy has to throw the ball and you stop it because Jimmy is not that great a quarterback. Certainly in the heat under pressure. And I said this before, there's two types of Jimmy. We know this. There's good Jimmy and bad Jimmy and it was pretty much bad Jimmy most of the way through it. Even the touchdown to Kittle was a high throw ball that Kittle had to jump up and go grab. It wasn't honking, but it wasn't great. Um, you know, Jakiski Tart, you can go back to that drop. It was a shocker, absolutely. You know, we'll talk about that, I'm sure, in the awards bit. But um, if he was brilliant at catching the ball, he'd be a wide receiver. So I still expect him to at least do better than he did. And you could see that with his head in his hands. He blew it. Would that have won the game? I don't know. There's enough time on the clock there. And especially with our lack of ability to convert, you know, that's on our own 35-yard line with nine minutes left in the game. Three-point difference, it doesn't mean it's game over. There's no way. 
Um, no, so but I think it's a big that. influence. Yes, it is. No, it's a big influence. Of, and if I were him, I wouldn't be putting my head in my hands because he'd drop it as well. <laughs> the, one of the <laughs> biggest things that we... And I don't know whether the, the Dallas game and the Green Bay game took it out of the defence, but the defence was a step off the game the whole way through. They did not do enough to get on to Stafford. They just weren't good enough at getting to him, which meant at the end of the game, he was able to convert when he needed to, and that ultimately cost the game. I think Even, I think there's an element of choking, but I think this is, you have to give it the Rams credit. They beat us rather than us just blowing it. I think the Rams really huh. stepped up later in the game. They played really well. They have a great roster and, and, and go into the Super Bowl as favourites because of that. Um, and they drove down the field when they needed to. They beat us. They beat us. Um, we had opportunities to try and come back and we didn't take them. But ultimately, I think they, they were the better team. Debo Samuel and Cooper Cup are the two best players on the on the on the field. Yeah, they're the two best football players on the field. The two most influential players for each team. And in the fourth quarter, there was no sign of Debo Samuel. No, no sign of him. And that is that ultimately, I think, is the one probably the main reason that at least it didn't go to overtime and the fact that they couldn't get any offensive production. But Kyle Shanahan's an offensive coach. That's why it is on the coach. It's on Matt LaFleur for the blowouts in the Green Bay game. It's on Sean McVay if, and I have fear for Sean McVay and the Rams next week, you know, in the Super Bowl, if it comes down to the crunch, because I know which head coach I'm trusting and it's not him. You as the head coach, if you're an offensive head coach and you're calling the plays, you need to have your players absolutely primed and ready for it in, in a crunch situation and Shanahan, I don't know, he's going to go away and he's always going to have the backing of of his general manager and they've got a great roster and they'll still have a great roster next year. I think it'll be better next year. What I'd I'd like to know, here's one. Tell me this as a fan, Cameron, before we move away from this game. Why are you not bringing in Trey Lance in short yardage situations? If this guy is meant to be the future of your franchise and he's built like a tank, why not? Because it's Jimmy's team and Jimmy's got us here. Doesn't matter. You bring him in. That's what the Raiders were doing in Mariota. Why not? Because Mariotta's, this guy's better. If you've seen you've got no running back depth, because, bring him in. Because because we don't want to risk him. You don't want to risk the quarterback that's going to take over the team next year. Much I don't buy that. As is, as the Chiefs did with the championship Mahomes, game. It's, as, the, it's the championship As game. the Chiefs did with Mahomes in that first year with him, they parked him. They sat him down and they didn't feature. It's now Trey Lance's no. team, and he'll take over. He's featured because yeah, Jimmy got injured, but I think and we've I seen totally, what he could do. I totally get that, but Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo can't rush when you need no, to rush. But I for don't the think yards. there was nothing in that game that says that Trey Lance would have been able to be any more successful at rushing than Elijah Mitchell was, who is an actual running back, because the the Rams were set up to deal with that. And I don't want the, to put my the future quarterback out in front of Aaron Donald the, when they're playing. The, the there was run. a. There was a fourth and two with 10 minutes left on the, on the Rams 45-yard line. Yeah, yep, not going on the 45-yard line, and they punted the ball away. Now, if you, if you, let's say, you know, I'm to your point about, no, oh, predict a quarterback. Well, yeah, great. Just... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You're, you're, one, you're one win from the Super Bowl. Mix it up a bit. Do something that there's never been, has not been done in the game. Well, He's not been, so, you know, exactly. it's not been bring, done bring him in. Game. I don't I understand. <laughs> I don't understand. I, I I said this at the start of the season. I said it in mid-season. You tr- I totally get you're trying to protect your quarterback. You're trying to you know the future and all that. You traded up to number three. You're playing for the Super Bowl now, not for next year, not for the year after. I think you've got to get involved. I so uh, they the, get decided, the, the voice the, of reason. They no, got, wait, what, the voice, the voice of reason. 
One point, one point. Um, if they go for it in fourth and two and they bring in Lance and he doesn't get it, the argument is, why has he done that? The guy's no played all year. It's an unproven thing. What a stupid decision. So that's all I'm saying. Okay, the voice of reason, as always, geez, it's always as down always. to me. And it's a really easy one. Charles is right. Oh, I mean, it really well, is. You've just I mean, screwed it right away. You've got... Charles is right. You, you've got this guy. He's the number three draft pick. He has been used during the season. Get him involved in the game. One, two, three, four, five plays. You're playing for the Super Bowl. You're not playing for a regular season. We bobble. I think I think San Francisco will regret that. It's a hard thing to do to get to the championship game, uh, and you've got to take it while you're there. What we've said, what we've seen over the last three, what we've seen over the last three weeks, you, you, that last point you made, Cameron. Jimmy, uh, Paul is we've seen Jimmy doing what he needs enough, to do Jimmy's to gone. get the game won. It's no, he wasn't gone. Right, this is nonsense. We have seen Jimmy do throughout the season him, just please. enough when it's needed to drive the team down the field, and he didn't get it done because of the Rams D. I don't think bringing in Trey Lance at that point wins you the game I just don't, I don't think I, did, I didn't say that I didn't say that what my point is is that I don't think Shanahan as a coach is flexible enough in the key crunch moments to justify the hype that is around him and I think he has now blown three Super Bowl opportunities one in Atlanta yes. one two years ago with San Francisco and this one because I tell you what if San Francisco had won that game they would be going into that game against the Bengals as the favourites. Oh, I don't Absolutely agree with that either. In my mind. No so I think he's, I think he's blown, I think he's blown it three times, and that's my view. And you can disagree if you like. But yeah. going back to what Paul was saying, um, in terms of getting how difficult it is to get to the conference game, to get to the Super Bowl, kudos to the Rams for getting there. Two years out, of four, two, two years out of the last four, and you know. As much as certain people here hate Sean McVay and don't like what the Rams stand for, they and they have got a very unique strategy of building their team, of drafting, of throwing their first round draft picks away because they don't want them. It's paid off. But now the pressure's on because they've got a win and they're in their own building. And we'll talk about that next week, of course. Yes. But I, I, I say well done to them because they, they have mortgaged the house and it's worked. Yeah. They've got a very good team that's capable of winning this, and they go in as Super Bowl favourites because of that. Absolutely, um, it's. It, I I totally agree. I think this is their chance to win. They're actually, it's not their only chance. I think they've got enough possibility that they can keep a lot of these pieces for next year as well. Um, it's definitely going to be interesting. Um, okay, Paul. Anything else to add before we move on to the awards section of this? No, I'm going to try and be neutral on the Rams. I didn't think they deserved to get to the Super Bowl the first time they got there, um, but they have got there this time, so I'm not going to be nasty. So what we're going to do is we are going to jump into the nominations uh, for this week. So let's start first of all with the Loch Lomond Belter. And actually, before I start this, uh, we do need to go back um, and pick winners from last week because I forgot to do it last time. So my fault. <laughs> um, I did remind you, but you ignored me. I went back and listened to the podcast. I still can't hear the point where you reminded me, but never mind. We'll, we'll whatever. Um, clearly, there was a communication breakdown between the head coach. Uh, I'd call you my quarterback, but you're really not. Right. Um, okay. So Lock Lomond Belters <laughs> this week. Let's start off. A um, couple of nominations for the Bengals. Uh, Cameron Christie, Donald McLeod. Uh, Andy Cornell, uh, Sarah Ross. Uh, I think Sarah Ross, she actually gives it to the game. 
Um, you know, she says, yet again, what a game. I thought it was over in the first quarter. Also have a huge dislike of Mahomes, so I enjoyed watching him lose. I'm very happy not to have to see him or Brittany on my TV again this season. <laughs> a lot of dislike for uh, Brittany uh, and uh, Patrick Mahomes' brother. We'll not touch on that just now. Um, Bengals, you know, Cameron Christie just says, saving us from Mahomes' wife and brother's antics in two weeks' time. Uh, for beating the <laughs> for beating the toss in overtime. Anyway, uh, Cooper Cup gets a number of nominations. Uh, Chris McKay says not only did he put in a superb performance on the pitch in all of his press interviews since he's constantly talked about his teammate Robert Woods being the real reason the Rams are in the playoffs. A truly humble pro and my MVP. Um, you know, Cooper. Uh, sorry, Sean Black says about Cooper Cup as well. Always coming up big when it matters, and I think he's been more pivotal to any team season than any other player in the league. Eric Weddell gets a single nomination from Jason Mackay. He's not played for two seasons, gets signed two weeks ago and is the leading tackler in a championship game. Then there's a whole bunch of nominations for Evan McPherson. Uh, you've got Ewan Chalmers, Graham Campbell, Bob Mays, Paul Marnie, Jack Goodwilly and Darren Barry, all of them. Bob Mays says four field goals, including a go-ahead 52-yarder in the fourth and the overtime winner. And with a name like McPherson, he certainly deserves it. Still trying to find out if there's any Scottish blood there. There must be. Ross Taylor gives it to Jamar Chase. 266 yards and three touchdowns. What a performance. Boy's the real deal doing it when it matters. Then Joe Burrow gets a whole bunch of nominations as well. Johnny Bailey says, yes, he's better than Lamar Jackson, Gordon. More cheap shots from McGuinness while he's not here. Yeah, I'll have that. What a performance <laughs> to again lead the comeback against the Chiefs, like in Week 17 in the biggest game of his life so far. He hasn't had much help from his O-line and still got it done. Been following the whole Chris Wessling story as well and delighted for the Bengals. Obviously, you know, we lost Chris Wessling. Um, many, many people that listen to this podcast listen to their own NFL podcast. Chris Wessling, a massive uh, part of that and a huge loss to the NFL community. Wes, a big Bengals fan. His wife, a Rams fan. So, you know, it's the, it is a real story for that family. Um, bittersweet, absolutely. But you could see the emotion coming from some of the people, uh, including Wes's wife, um, as the as the Bengals won. You know, there's so many videos of fans of other teams watching it and just enjoying in the moment. So lovely. And again, great to see American football bringing people together. Josh Allen gets one from Gareth King. The Pro Bowl is such a pointless waste of time and the game itself means nothing. We hear all the talk about player safety being at risk from too many games. And it was brought up again last week during the whole debate around the overtime options. But Josh Allen took flack from some quarters by snubbing the Pro Bowl in order to protect himself for games that matter. As a Bills fan, I think it's great he's playing for Buffalo next season and putting that first ahead of a pointless friendly next weekend. Um, Stephen Anderson and Stephen Bryson both give Les Snead a nomination. Uh, Stephen Anderson simply says, going all in, absolute baller move. That's now one game from paying off. NBC New York gets one from Patrick Wilson. After Brady's official retirement was announced, NBC New York had an article with the headline, Tom Brady, who lost two Super Bowls to the Giants during his 22 career, has announced his retirement from the NFL. <laughs> Superb level of pettiness. Um, T. Higgins gets one from Lewis Taylor, very underrated due to the emergence of star receiver Jamar Chase. But the Chiefs, D, the week before, took digs out the game. They tried to do the same thing with Chase. Once again, T. Higgins steps up. Even more so once Uzuma went down injured in the first quarter. 100 plus yards on six receptions is belter stats in the biggest game of his career so far. 
the last nomination goes to Tom Brady himself from Long Callahan, perhaps exacting a little revenge on the NFL and ESPN for the whole Deflategate by getting them to think he had announced his retirement, waiting for all the stories and tributes from NFL players to be posted, then releasing the news that no such decision had been made final. Very deflating. But there you go. Of course, we now know it was real, but hey, poor Shefty's had a hard time. Uh, who is your belter, who is your Loch Lomond belter of the week this week, gentlemen? It has to be the NBC in New York, because that is the best headline since the Dundee Courier ran with Dundee Man Drowns uh, to announce the sinking of the Titanic. So that is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Um, I'm giving it to Evan McPherson. Cold as ice, absolutely. I, he'll, he'll be, I think he's the difference next week. And then we're going to find out he's Scottish, and we're going to get him over here for a live show. <laughs> there you go, Cameron. That's your job for the off season. Good grief! Good um, grief. Do you want my ball bag? No, we'll, get, got, we'll, we'll come to that. No, we'll come to no. that. We'll come to that. So, I, first up, I do think it's it. I agree with Charles. It's Evan McPherson. Uh, McPherson. Stop saying McPherson. It's, it's McPherson. McPherson. It's McPherson. It's McPherson. Um, this Americanization of it. So Joe Burrow absolutely deserves a mention. Cooper Cup absolutely deserves a mention. I think that they played tremendously. I think the T. Higgins one is a great shout as well. But I think that Evan McPherson did what he needed to do when it mattered. When the game was on the line to take it to overtime, to then win it in overtime absolutely tremendous uh so evan mcpherson we think you've got scottish blood we're going to find it there somewhere son uh but congratulations we're going to raise a glass because you are the loch lomond belter of the week and now on to the bob act nominations so let's rattle through these uh, ross taylor says the 49ers just nice to see them lose to be honest uh yeah thanks for that ross um sarah ross says all the brady haters Suck it up, accept he's the GOAT and move on with your life. The constant moaning and trying to justify why he shouldn't or can't be the GOAT makes you sound like jealous, petulant children. Grow up. Charles, uh, you're shaking your head like a jealous, petulant child. So no, have at it. Not at all. I just think I, I think that's a very petulant uh, nomination, frankly. <laughs> I, have, I mean, I, I, I don't think anyone who has ever watched or appreciated NFL football would say that they hate Tom Brady. I think they just perhaps don't like the fact he used he would win so much and beat your team yeah. and i think that's probably the way it is and anyway so us don't be petty don't accuse other people of being petty when you're being petty yourself indeed indeed uh paddy kelly and graham muncie both give it to andy reed uh, paddy kelly actually says andy reed and the people who always roll the dice had they kicked three points before the half that surely uh, that game is surely too much to come back from. Time and time again, people defend the call for teams to go for it on these short yardage situations. Absolutely guaranteed that Gordon says it was the right decision, but the wrong play. So another shot at Gordon on this. It was the right this. decision. I agree this. with Gordon. And, and, Gordon's going to think I'm doing this because he's not here. Genuinely, this is what people have written. Love it. <laughs> right. Um, the CBS director gets one from Stephen Anderson, choosing to sit the halftime panel directly in front of the speaker system during some sort of rap country show. Couldn't hear a single word the panel were saying. Don't think the panel could hear each other also. What an absolute ball bag move. <laughs> I, I think it was brilliant. You got the word wrong. It wasn't a rap country show. It was a crap country <laughs> show. So that, that that's where that goes. But I think the key now call, call me you know you know call me somebody who's looking at this in advance and saying that might be wrong. But the bank is speakers located directly behind them might have been the clue to the floor manager that something was going to go wrong there. 
it was hysterical. I watched the American coverage uh, via the app, and it was hysterical watching that. A <laughs> uh, couple of nominations for defenders from that Rams uh, 49ers game, and I, I fully agree with both of these. Patrick Watson gives one to Fred Warner for his blatant, dirty, cheap shot on Stafford after the inception, was clearly trying to purposefully injure Stafford to take him out of the game. No place for that type of behaviour. Hopefully he's retrospectively punished as it wasn't flagged at the time. Now, I don't necessarily say he was definitely trying to purposefully injure Stafford, but it was a late shot and it was high and that's not what you want to see. It was naughty. I totally agree. The other one, he was yeah. doing that. On, he was doing that on purpose. I'm sorry, it's a professional sport. Yeah. If you're going to get 15 yards or even potentially thrown out, but you take out Stafford, yeah, yeah it's a risk that they took. I, th- I, yeah, I think, I, yeah. and fully understand why he did it. Uh, Graham Campbell has nominated Jalen Ramsey. Do I really need to explain why the man is a whiny brat whose actions and behaviours make him one of the few Rams players that it's practically impossible to like? Now we'll cover this more in the Super Bowl, but I would actually say there's not a lot of there's not a lot of players on this Rams team that are ball bags. Jalen Ramsey makes up for it. Like he's absolutely getting in the face of Robbie Gould. Like what are you doing? He's just been a dick. Like you're not going to put Robbie Gould off his game by doing that. You just look like a ball bag. So yeah. Fine. He won the game, so he can be a ball bag. Yeah, in retrospect, fine. But Correct. I don't think you could be a ball bag. You're gonna, if you're going to talk the talk, you better walk the walk. I don't so. think he did really anything in the game. There was an interception he should have had that he dropped. It's funny, mm. it's, it's funny the players who are the loudest are often the ones that don't play the best. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Jakuski Tart. Ooh, that's a big shout ahead of next week. Jakuski Tart gets a number of nominations. Chris McKay, Johnny Bailey, Brian Dando, Scott Burnside, uh, Jason McKay. Brian Dando says, right in the breadbasket, and th- and that's his professional job. I'm a better Niner fan. It's fine. We go again. Uh, Chris McKay says, completely balls up one of the easiest interception opportunities opportunity he will get in his lifetime with only a few minutes to go in the game it would have almost certainly killed it and the Niners would have won we've covered that I don't know that that's the case but still it would have been a big play um Jimmy G gets a number of nominations Alex Beaton Scott Kirkwood Lewis Taylor uh, Kieran Grant um Lewis Taylor says if the Niners had uh had even a middle of the road quarterback in the last two years they could have won two Super Bowls time and time again Jimmy G shows he cannot complete or make big plays when he needs to uh, to compliment Shanahan's, Shanahan's creative scheme. Kyle Shanahan gets a couple of nominations. Lauren Callahan highlights exactly what you did about the three big losses, you know, Super Bowl 51, Super Bowl 54, and that NFC Championship game. Um, Mahomes gets a whole bunch of nominations, to be honest. Um, <laughs> let's see. Tony Brewerton says, uh, there's no time on the clock, laddie, so you can't take a timeout. Uh, besides, you don't have any timeouts left, mate. Uh, throw it out of bounds and we'll take the three points going into the half. Uh, not. Don't worry. We're still 11 points ahead. It'll be fine. Oops. Uh, Ross Sterling says, horrible pass just before the half that has to go to the end zone, not a wide receiver screen. From there, completely shut down and trying to go highlight reel. This loss hurts and it's fully on his failure to move the ball. Not often I'll nominate him for a ball bag, but he deserves it for that game. Ross Sterling, who is a Chiefs fan. Uh, the Pro Bowl gets one from Cameron Christie. Want to see the Bengals and Rams next week rather than seeing top players half our set in a game no one really cares about. Still Brady from Donald McLeod for trying to take the headlines by retiring a couple of days before the championship games. Last chance for him to get a ball bag nomination in his playing career. What a prick. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you know there's a few others Gareth King gives it to Tom Brady Paul Marnie gives it to um, 
whoever botched the Brady retirement announcement, Schefter, Brady's management company, uh, a trusted source, Brady himself, whoever decided to uh, leak the Brady retirement story only for it to kind of be rubbished by Brady's hour later, taking the, comp- uh, taking the attentions away from the championship. Gentlemen, I've just spoken a lot. Over to you. Who's your ball bag? Well, it's obviously Tart, who had the worst drop of any ball until Wraith Rovers came along this week. So <laughs> definitely it has to be him. You've, you've got to secure that. We could argue all day long whether it was going to change the result, but in terms of on the field play, you've got to nail that. that that's just a gift. Um, I feel it, he's a very viable candidate. I think it's unfair to pin it on one person. I think likewise it's unfair to pin it all on Patrick Mahomes although how often is Patrick Mahomes ever going to get nominated for a ball bag and given that Aaron Rodgers got one at the start of the season I think Patrick Mahomes should probably get one too just to kind of make him feel like he's in the club it's got to be Brady's PR company I'm sorry if you're the greatest quarterback of all time you cannot allow that to happen you are the master of all you survey you are the greatest athlete in American sports and you don't even know how to retire properly. I'm having one more go at him before he leaves. Well, so someone, I'm happy to give it to him. Someone did tweet us to say that clearly the Bobak nomination that Brady got on this show last week was what tipped him over the edge. He was like, right, I've had enough of this, lads. I'm retiring, you know. NFL Scotland boys are calling me a Bobak. It's time to wrap this up. So, you know. There's only so goes, much a man can take. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Our reach, you know, it's, it's quite, you know, the impact that this podcast has on the NFL game is quite something. You know, you managed to turn around the 49ers season earlier, Charles, and we've just made Brady retire. I think that's pretty two big claims. <laughs> um, the, hand, the, hand, the hand of the NFL Scotland podcast stretches further than people can imagine. It does. It does indeed. I agree with everything that you've just said, but I have to not be a homer. Uh, and I think it has to go to Tart because that drop oh. was so bad. It was so bad. Mahomes absolutely deserves one. But that play by Tart, that, the thing is that play by Tart will be played in... And, you know, America's game, when it comes around, it's going to be a pivotal point when the Rams win the Super Bowl. Uh, and that will be one of the big plays that's always coming out. For the 49ers, it'll be played for years to come, the moment. And I don't think it necessarily was, but it will be played as such. And you know why, Cameron? Because it's a sporting moment that actually made me swear out loud. <laughs> you know, sitting on the so it's like... Yeah. How did... You know, and it's the, it's that reaction, and that's why... You know, because the pass seemed to be up in the air for about half an hour. You know, it was one of these horrible... It didn't even need to go into slow motion because it was in slow motion already. Uh, and anything that makes you react like that, I think that, that says it all. And I've got it, I've given him a kick in, but fair play, he's come out and owned it. You know, he's not tried to hide it. He's not tried to come up with an excuse. He balls up and tell you what, I hope he comes back next season and does something tremendous because that would be... I love a good redemption story, but there, no, 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 no. Yes, it has to be Tart. So congratulations, Tart. Uh, You are the Bobag of the week. So what we need to... Does he not have a first name, this this gentleman? Jaquesky Tart. I was waiting to see whether you could pronounce it properly. (laughs) Um, So what we need to do now is pick our winners for week 17, and then we'll go back and do week 16, as I alluded to, I forgot. So, Paul, you can pick the belter, and we'll give Charles the Bobag to select. So I need a number between one... And 44. Uh, I'm going to go with a number of speakers that were directly in front of the CBS podium, which was 44. (laughs) (laughs) So congratulations to Patrick Watson. You are the winner of a bottle of Loch Lomond whiskey 
and two glasses. Okay, for the ball bag, again, 1 to 44, please, Charles. Oh, dear. Well, I think we're going to have to give it to the number of points that the Chiefs were up at halftime and then blew it, which is 11. Which is 11. Paul Marnie, congratulations. You win a pair of ball bags underwear. Okay, now we need to go back to week 16. So let's swap it around. And Charles, you can get the belter. Paul, you the ball bag. Um, so Charles, between one and 40, please. Uh, the number of points that the Packers scored, which wasn't enough, 10. 10. Number 10 from last week is Gareth Corser. Congratulations, Gareth. You win the bottle of Loch Lomond whiskey and the two tumblers. Uh, and then the same for you, please, Mr. Mitchell. Uh, well, it's a tough one because I'd like to do this in honour of James Winston. Um, who will be leaving the Saints hopefully and has played for them for the last time. Um, but I'm trying to remember. I think so. So, num number two, as he wore for the Saints. Number two, congratulations to Mark Crampton. Uh, you win a pair of ball bags underwear. So, we'll get in touch with all the winners. We'll sort out those prizes for you very, very soon. Okay, so a couple of things. Uh, we will save most of the Super Bowl chat for our Super Bowl preview show. That will be coming out uh, fairly early in the week next week. We're, we're working on something with that, so stay tuned. Going to have some big Super Bowl giveaway there for you all to look forward to. Uh, we're going to have some prizes that we'll make exclusive to people that listen to the podcast. We do a lot of this stuff on Twitter, but we will have a competition. You need to listen to the podcast to win, so stay tuned for that. Um we will talk about Brady. We've alluded this to a bit more, but I think what we've agreed here is that it's a big conversation and it's a wider conversation because the whole quarterback room has got a bit of a rejig this year. There's a lot of things going on. It deserves more time. And therefore, what we're going to do is we're going to sit on that just for just now rather than hot react. Uh, and, and we'll pick this up just after the Super Bowl and have a bit of a deep dive into the overall quarterback situation. So we'll try and get some people together for that that we think will be really good and interesting content. But gentlemen, other news stories hitting the headlines. We have to touch on Washington's new name, surely. Mm. Initial I, thoughts? I, it's pretty inoffensive. And some of the, I think they were slightly hampered by some of the trademarking issues around some of the options that they couldn't go for. They wanted a military theme. I can understand it because you've got the commander-in-chief living up the road, but... I've not got a problem with it. I'm not a Washington fan. You need to ask Washington fans what they think about this. And the reaction seems to have been relatively positive, but it's not going to blow your socks off. And, the, the, and I know Paul has a problem with some of the strips. I like the black strip, but I don't know how many times they're going to actually wear that. And at least they're keeping the colours more or less relevant. It's going to take time. It's going to take time for them to embed this um, new imagery into the fan base, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the way they rolled out, you know, the, the vehicles across Washington in the in the colours of the home jersey. It's it's the change jersey. It's the white jersey. I mean, the white jersey should have been white with basically maroon and yellow on the sleeves. And they've gone for some hideous touch of red and some horrendous NAF numbers. I mean, somebody put up on Twitter what the jersey looks like now and what it really should have looked like. And it was night and day. Um, and it's little things like that. 
and I don't know how they get that so badly wrong. And that's what annoys me. The name, well, I would have gone with the Red Birds or something like that to keep the red there. I don't particularly like the Commanders. I think it's a little bit naff. The logo looks like a primary two class drew it. It's just one of these things. It's a bad rebrand. And that's what you get for going for these professional companies because often they just really, they, they make it look good for themselves without actually thinking what people want. The only thing that they've done is they've managed to keep I guess this concept around the identity of the city. And if that's what it means to the people of Washington, I've never been to Washington. And if that's what it means to the club, I understand it. There's chat that they're maybe even going to move um, the, the, the team itself back into Washington. Now, which they should. Which, which they, they should. should. I, yeah, um, I've been to Washington. Brilliant city. I'd recommend anybody to go. It's fantastic. But their football team's miles away. Mm. <laughs> you know, bring it back. But yeah. uh, and and a, and address the away jersey. That that's that's the only issue for me. Um, it's yeah, the away jersey is one of the worst I've seen. Like we talk about jerseys a lot here, and people care about this stuff. It just it looks like a a, a, a amateur league team jersey it just doesn't look good at all i quite like the home one i think it's okay uh, i do like the black kit i think it looks really smart the name it's a name it's fine uh too much is put on the name you know if, if you were doing a rebrand now right and somebody came along and said we're going to call this team the packers and you'd never been called the packers you'd be like what the hell is that like the 49ers mm. What do you mean the 49ers? Why are we caring about some gold diggers? Like, what? What? You know, if you were to rebrand now some of the names that are in the NFL, you they wouldn't get anything. They would be shot down. So, right. There's a, a podcast for, for, for the summer. Right, we'll okay. rebrand every team. Okay. We'll rebrand every team. Name. We'll do every team. We'll ask folk to give us their nominations, and we'll do that as one of our summer and podcasts. The, the that's Browns. Fantastic. We're going to call the team the Browns. And people are like, what? We're naming after some you old know, guy that's long. You know, nah. The big, the biggest problem for broadcasters like us is that I would bet you, come the middle of November, we're still going to be referring to the manner as the Washington Football Team yes. or the Washington Redskins, yes, which you're not supposed yes. to say anymore. Yes. And and I, I still call the Raiders the Oakland Raiders for God's sake, and they've been in <laughs> Vegas for two years. I'm pretty sure you said this in Louis Rams as well earlier. I did. So you you only go with the uh, we're not quite go back to the Baltimore Colts, but you you yeah. go um you only you go with what you grew up with. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, one, I've, I've, one of my mates is a Redskin Redskins fan, Washington fan, <laughs> and I said, "What do you think of this?" And he just went, "Meh." Inoffensive. This is all Dan Snyder's fault. I think that sums it up, to be honest. Yeah. So. yeah. Okay. Other stories hitting the headlines. Paul, your team's coming to London. Yeah, that, that is certainly the rumour. And so the Saints fans wouldn't be the Saints fans without conspiracy theory. Saints are coming to London to, to use up one of their home games. They're due nine home games this year. And of course, they're only going to get eight because the NFL are insisting they move. So they see that as a great conspiracy, um, which is nonsense. It's just our turn and we should come. I think the bigger issue, and we're going to do this as a separate podcast as well, is Sean Payton um, announcing that he's going. Uh, his press conference, which I watched, was fantastic. It gave a great insight into him, into the team, and how he's run the team and what he's learned. It really was fascinating stuff. Um, so, you know, I think there's a lot to touch on in there. He's still under contract, so he can't go anywhere else. I suspect he may. He will end up on TV. He'll be brilliant in the booth, I suspect. But, you know, we'll touch on Sean Payton's achievements. But if you're a Saints fan, you've got to be excited that they're coming to London. And, uh, yeah, I think... 
I'm I'm all for it, but certainly not everybody in New Orleans is convinced by the legitimacy of them coming over here. And we're starting to get the stories. Of course, there's a rumor as well that the Jags will play a game at Wembley uh, next year or this year, which means a return to at least three games in London, if that is true, because mm. we're contracted to have two at the Spurs Stadium. So great. We're going back to three games. Tremendous. I, I do think it will be exciting to potentially see Jameis Winston play uh, at Tottenham. I think that's definitely something worth turning up to. And I'm sure that you will embrace that fully. So, yeah, something to look forward to. Anyway. Um... Thank you. <laughs> the Brian Flores situation is a developing situation. I think we should touch on that yeah. next week. I mean, the you know, Stephen Ross of the Dolphins has come out today and basically you know, very politely says it's complete and utter nonsense. He's a man of integrity. So at the moment, at time of recording, and until we can actually dive in deeper, it's a he said, he said situation. And it's I think it's too complex, Cameron, just to yeah. cover in two minutes that we've got left. The, 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 the thing about that, and this is going to grow arms and legs, this story, that's the real key. This could have huge ramifications going forward for how the NFL hire staff, how... They view the Rooney rule, which we've talked about before, and it has its merits, but it's clearly got its flaws as well. This is, I think, the tip of the iceberg, um, and we don't want to make any judgment on it at the moment because we don't know all the facts and they're still coming out. But I get, I think the big, the big question, if you're looking at Brian Flores, is is he ever going to get another head coaching job in the NFL? And at this moment in time, my answer would be not a chance. Mm. And given the job he did at Miami over the last two years, I think he did a good job. That would be a huge loss from a coaching perspective in the NFL. But there's this could have serious issues for the hierarchy in the NFL and for the ownerships generally going forward. And it will be fascinating to see what happens in the next couple of weeks. Indeed, indeed. Um, okay, there's. I mean, there's loads of breaking stories. This is the time of year where we start to ramp up, looking forward to the draft. We've got free agency coming up. As we say, we've got a Super Bowl preview that we'll do next week. Loads of prizes coming up on that, so do stay tuned to this podcast and social media. But this is the full-time whistle for episode 182. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this and every single episode. Please continue to share your thoughts on social media at Scotland NFL on Twitter and search for NFL Scotland on Facebook. If you're looking for some Pro Bowl news and predictions, you've come to the wrong place. We think it's rubbish and we advise you not to watch it because it truly is torturous. Just concentrate on a brilliant Super Bowl ahead. Check all our social media channels for all the information that you need to know. Thanks to Charles for joining us. Thanks to Cameron as well. Thanks to you for listening. It's been a pleasure as always. Until our Super Bowl preview programme. Bye for now. 